You're listening to the Silken Community Podcast. Your favorite source for gaming, film, and internet debate starts now. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Soken Podcast. I'm your host, T, and with me are Jace and Leo. That's me, Jace Jason! And hello! I'm Leo. Prequels and tigers and bands. Oh, my. There's a lot going on in the gaming and TV world right now, but before we jump into that, how are things going in the social world for you guys? That's kind of a cruel joke question to ask during pandemic isolation times i mean they're they're not much different than the last few weeks we just do zoom meetings and teams meetings and talk to people from afar yeah i mean it's funny like what's different i don't know i vacuumed my carpet (laughs) really really not is that a euphemism (laughs) i'll neither confirm my carpet too Hey, here's an interesting tidbit. This isn't this week news, but it's news for me. So I'm a man of a certain age. Uh, some people might say elderly, but I don't. And I have bitten my fingernails for the entirety of my life. I mean, as, until, as soon as I got teeth, I started biting them off. And, I've, you know, I'm an intense fingernail biter, too. Like, I bite them down to the quick and keep them down there. Well, because of the illnesses that are surrounding our society right now. I'm paranoid about putting my hands to my face and my hands in my mouth. I have a beautifully manicured hand because of COVID-19. Thanks, COVID-19. Works for me. (laughs) Wow. Well, you know, you got to find that silver lining, right? Yeah, and the silver lining is on the end of each one of my fingers. And it's really pretty to have actual fingernails. Like you, you, there's things people don't understand that are like you take for granted. Picking up your driver's license when you drop on the floor. If you don't have fingernails, you're screwed. Opening salt containers, can't do it. How about picking the lining off of the plastic that comes on the ketchup bottle before you open for the first time? I can do those things now. I am no longer handicapped in the hand. Wow. It's a whole new meaning to handicapped, isn't it? No. Oh, no, no. Sorry, this week I helped my mother hunt down every single pencil in our house to be sharpened. I can probably sharpen them with my fingernails. That's a little terrifying. If I need to. I use them a lot now. My husband tells me I don't know how to use them yet, and I've hurt him. Who was the... Oh, no. Who... I'm not going to ask for details. Um, who was the lady that fought Wolverine that had like oh, yeah. the spikes come out of her fingers? Oh my gosh. I can't believe I can't think of her name. I'm going to have to Google it. Google it. That's who I'm picturing right now. Just Lady Deathstrike. Lady Deathstrike. That's, that's a great name. For the remainder of this podcast, I shall be known as Lady Deathstrike. Fair. Done. All right. Well, the circle. Today we'll be discussing the recent Netflix documentary success Tiger King, the rumors of a Star Wars Rogue One prequel show, and the recent announcements of China banning foreign online play in their gaming industry. So about a month ago on March 20th, uh, Netflix released its new documentary series Tiger King, 
and it was a little bit, it was pretty well timed considering we were all just then settling into quarantine. Uh, and it launched really well. It took the nation relatively by storm with the big cats, possible murder, and some of the wackiest human beings on the planet. It's no wonder at all that this series is all anyone's talking about, especially considering we literally don't have anything else to talk about. But for those who are not familiar, such as myself, how would you guys describe the show and what it is? I just want to state for the record, uh, before we really get started, uh, Carol Baskin is the devil. <laughs> that, that's a part of the show, T, if you didn't know. There's a woman named Carol Baskin, and she's kind of framed as the villain, villainess, villain. I don't know what you say. How do you even describe this show? So the first thing that people need to know about this show is that it's a documentary. It's not fake. It's real. And the filmmakers followed this group of people around for like five years to create this show. Now, evidently, it ended up in places where they did not know it would. But um, so the, the Tiger King is a he describes himself as a gay gun carrying redneck with a mullet. And he's involved Thruple, he's a country music singer, he stars in his own music videos on the side, and he also is a, a big cat aficionado. And he's kind of the central figure of um, the hub, if you will, of all of these things that happen. It's kind of like a, a crime drama, I suppose, where uh, these vying powers, uh, forces of big cat owners war against one another in, in varying ways. Um, one is trying to bring down the other the other is trying to bring out bring down the one there's some <laughs> some allegations of murder there's like a hitman it's it's i mean you really do have to watch it to really b believe it it it's kind of out of control um it it, it <laughs> I, I think one of the funniest things that i've heard coming out of it was other people who have pointed at it and said these these people can't be real these people can't exist and i'm like i have relatives like these people like i to me this doesn't this doesn't seem as crazy as i think a lot of folks who lead more normal lives or have more normal uh friends and family i i think they see this and they're like wow this is so over the top these people have got to be hamming it up for the camera but I, I don't see it that way. Like, I know people that if they had this kind of money, I have no doubt they would be living these lives and doing this yeah. just ridiculous, crazy stuff. The um, the unofficial zoo kind of exotic animal trade culture is really a very eccentric culture. As someone who once was married to a zookeeper and a zoo executive, we, we became acquaintances with people who are in these circles in fact um the tiger king was in the circle <laughs> that we were a part of although i knew not of him but I've, I've literally been to places like the grounds where um where this was filmed where like you go to just go to someone's house and you, you're right outside of town and all of a sudden you're surrounded by patis monkeys and spider monkeys and they're everywhere and and there's like character like a, a mousy woman who won't speak and won't look you in the eye, but only just holds a monkey and walk around. It's it's really like something out of central casting. And then this big, brash, huge belt buckle wearing guy who is trying to sell you 
monkeys and telling you why every breed of monkey in here is the one you ought to have at your house and and don't look at that one in the eyes because he's he'll try to mate you and it's surreal and this whole there's this whole subculture of animal people who who really are this way i mean i don't know it, it didn't strike me as that outlandish other than the country music part well the country music part was actually fake somebody else did it there's a there's a duo that made all those songs and recorded all those songs huh. and my intuition and old, scores again <laughs> old joe exotic just took video of him lip syncing to to their songs wow i really didn't know that i'm amazing everyone listen to me in the future i'm rarely wrong <laughs> so in this cast of misfits and more fits this time with a capital m uh do you guys have a favorite i i i really don't um i, I think <laughs> there were there were a couple of standouts of people who were quote normal um against this backdrop of you know just insanity um and i i, I don't know it's not like i was rooting for them i was just like oh okay they there's actually a relatively normal person uh, in in the mix of all this. The the one uh, the guy who lost his hand is is probably the one that's a standout to me is the most normal. But the behavior to decide not to get reconstructive surgery and and therapy and just lose the hand and go back to work after five days. Yeah. Nope. That's a different shade of crazy. Saf is certainly w the easiest to like. Most of these characters are just not likable, and I, we say characters, but you no, know, they're they're real people, and they're not good. They're they're nefarious and like kind of I don't know. It's hard for me to say. They just don't seem on the right path in their life. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, they're cult leaders and they're taking yeah. hits out on each other. Like they're the worst kinds of people. Yeah, they're making bad choices, I think is 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 what <laughs> but I think, you know, Saf was that's that's the guy who got his hand ate off. Definitely the the easiest one to like on, on the program. Um I mean I kind of I don't wanna say like. I was very intrigued by Joe Exotic himself. It's like there, there's a small part of me that that thinks if I would have taken just a slightly detour in my life, then Lady Deathstrike would have become Joe Exotic, <laughs> or, or just slightly more cocaine or meth. Right, or... <laughs> right. Like there's there's a part of me that thinks like I'm almost that guy. Like very few things could have been tweaked in my history to make me him. So I was a little intrigued by him. I I admit a little bit of that too, um, because <laughs> uh, little known fact. I had a mullet as a kid, and I come from uh, a proud mullet heritage. Uh, <laughs> come from the land of the mullets. <laughs> and so, yeah, I think, man, if, if you know, I was the first in my family to go to college. I was, you know, I, I ended up doing a lot of firsts for my whole extended family on both sides. And I I think, like, just a generation ago, man, like, those, those were my people. <laughs> So we're definitely, we're not really saying that we're going to consider any of these people as necessarily good, but the internet has especially latched onto Carol Baskin as a villain of the series, claiming she certainly killed her husband and fed him to her collection of wild cats. Again, I have not watched this, so wow. Yeah, no, they, they really, that, they really do claim that. Now that's not proven. Yeah. 
we I feel like we should go on record. Those are <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> yeah, allegedly. With other characters hosting prison sentences, ongoing or otherwise, why do you guys think that the viewers have taken to considering her the villain? I think a big part of that is, you know, Joe Exotic's the central character and she's set up as his antagonist. So, I mean, just by the design of the documentary, following him around, um, naturally, anybody put it against him is going to be declared the bad guy of the show. Um, I think there's also a little bit of uh, I, I, the perception of justice not being done. <laughs> if the alleged murder uh, was true. And, and I think that ruffles people's jimmies. Um, I don't know. You know, probably you'll get real hacked off when I say this, but there's a part of me that thinks, thinks that we've latched onto her as the villain because she's a woman. And there's like, there is a misogynistic streak in culture that says <laughs> any woman trying to take down a man's got to be something bad. So I think... You know, she was absolutely no worse than anyone else in the show. In in terms of just horrible people, all of them, almost all of them did really, really bad things or condoned really bad things or made really bad choices or were clearly just, let's say, rough around the edges. So in terms of just doing what people do, even there's a part of me that thinks even her, <laughs> the murder and feeding of her husband to a cat aside her motivations seemed to be to me to be the most just like i think that she probably genuinely is a big cat con conservationist i think she probably does uh, care about the animals and want people to treat them better or to not and she's actually done work to keep people from having exotics as pets big cats as pets because ultimately what happens is the result is in the program but you know i don't think she's I'm really not sure why she was latched onto as the huge big fat villain. And I say big fat not because she was larger. That got really wrong. <laughs> <laughs> that was a, a turn of phrase. Uh, I will apologize for. But she's, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't like her. I'm not saying I did, but maybe. So larger social commentary aside, I'm not going to take your bait, Jace. And I'm not getting <laughs> into this one. But yes. Uh Man, that raised the hairs on the back of my neck. Um, but I, I do think in this instance, like she's demonstrated while she, I think, maintains the facade of being this like, you know, this lady who just wants the best for cats. She does the exact same thing she accuses Joe Exotic of doing. She has people who pay to come and, uh, you know, watch the cats in cages. And like there's there isn't anything that she has accused joe of doing that there's not footage in the documentary of her doing um with the exception of putting on a podcast and calling people what is it cats and kittens or whatever her tagline is <laughs> um she's just um i think where joe he kind of earns a little bit of cred with an audience because he's flawed but he's he's openly flawed he talks about it he in fact i think he's probably in prison because he probably admitted to all the stuff that you know he he was accused of he's, yeah i did that <laughs> like that's that's just who he was shown to be where carol is the opposite i think she's duplicitous and deceptive and um i i think that also rubs people the wrong way all deplorable people but 
he's upfront about it where she likes to pretend that she isn't i mean yes i can definitely see that she's a huge hypocrite i'm not i will not argue that i think that in terms of actual of things that are actually happening on properties there's probably not much difference i do know for a fact though that she did work to change policy to keep these things from happening so i don't know if there's any redemption there but you know she probably did kill her husband and feed him to a cat that's that's pretty bad dude the, the yeah i mean just the circumstantial evidence while it is circumstantial and you can't put it in a court of law like he was going to divorce her was going to leave and then like three days uh well he, he was going to costa rica i think uh where she thought he had a girlfriend and uh he ended up going missing oh no and then suddenly i don't know there, there were just so many little things that all just point to it being a no-brainer but you can't convict someone off of circumstances so i don't know plus i don't know she, she sort of demonstrated duplicity and hypocrisy and willingness to manipulate like it just it fits what seems to be a terrible human being I mean, that should have like... been the name of the show terrible human beings it's sh <laughs> terrible human beings was he like abusive or um i don't know yeah he was there was very rich yeah there... are you talking about the husband yeah the the one that was fed to cats oh well, we don't I, know we don't really know much about allegedly that. fed to cats right he, he took a trip to tripas el tigre <laughs> we we don't know if he was abusive or not um there uh there actually he put a restraining order out on her uh, a few days before he went missing uh claiming that she threatened to kill him and blah 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 so i don't know it, 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 who, who knows the inner workings of marital bliss <laughs> especially in this case with the crazy people do you guys think that like why is this so popular is it just the quarantine is it just the sheer wow factor i think that i mean certainly two words timing absolutely the timing played to this show's advantage but this is also the type of crap that I feel like, especially Americans, latch onto and dig. And, you know, the other crime documentaries on Netflix were also wildly popular as well. And they were memed on the internets and on the reddits of the world as well. Not quite to this level, but probably because people had other stuff going on. We ain't got nothing else going on right now. So <laughs> this is the thing that is binding us all together. And I think that sums yeah. it up. Yeah, and this is coming from, you know, Mr. I gotta go watch Housewives of, of wherever. Um, this is the kind of stuff that I think you probably know more about. Just watching a train wreck, it's fascinating to people. Um, and, and this is. It couldn't have come out at a better time when everybody's sitting at home just craving entertainment. And of course, <laughs> um, meme culture is i think probably one of the most unpredictable things in our uh, modern culture um some of the most random stuff just gets latched onto and becomes ridiculously popular and and it's joe exotics well 
it's not 15 minutes anymore. It's months of ridiculous fame. Do you guys feel like the series has a message? And if, I mean, is it a good or bad one? I think the take home should be that the the realm of private zoos, private sanctuaries is a bad thing and people should not support them. I think that should be what we take away from it. That, that and I I think I'll just leave it there. That's the takeaway for me. Yeah, that that's mine too. I hope it shines uh, a, a rather large spotlight on this um I think often misunderstood aspect of at least American life. Um, and I hope, because I was reading uh, and, and watching some videos on like even what laws exist about like private zoos, and they're very sparse. Um, and just that alone to me is, I don't know, it's it's kind of a weird blind spot in, in our legal system. And I'm hoping enough of a like it's shown on it to actually rectify some of it. Because a lot of that stuff was just awful. Well, with discussions of a potential spin-off series and the quote main character slash central figure, Joe Exotic, uh, having requested a pardon from Trump be released from prison, the Tiger King story may not be over just yet. And we'll just have to wait and see where the rest of this all ends up. Man, this is the dumbest timeline. <laughs> Earlier this year, Diego Luna reported in an interview with information that Disney Plus is working on a new Star Wars series that will be a prequel to the film Rogue One. Supposedly revolving around Luna's character of Cassian Andor, the series has already confirmed Tony Gilroy, co-writer of the Rogue One film, will be writing the pilot of the series and directing several episodes. Variety also announced Stellan Skarsgård and Kyle Soller are in final talks to play characters in the series as well. Uh, Leo, as someone who was very adamant last season about how you enjoyed the middle ground, non-force user characters and stories in Star Wars, do you think that those stories will work as well in this show as they did on the big screen? Mandalorian what? I think that's a yes. Yeah, I do. I I mean, the stories themselves can be compelling. It it, it all depends on how it's done. If If they're good stories and if they have good characters and plots that aren't full of just dumb holes and nonsense yes it'll be great um if kathleen kennedy stays away from it <laughs> it'll be better he doesn't care for her <laughs> i don't know her i don't care for her work star wars branching out from the spaghetti western to the spy thriller would definitely be something interesting i agree I'd watch the heck out of it. Um, I'm I'm less excited about a prequel for Rogue One than I am uh, a, a prequel-ish Kenobi show, certainly. But you know, it's Star Wars, and I'll 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 tag along. I'll go for the ride. I don't know what the fascination is with prequels, though. I don't know why. Star and it's Wars not just so many. Well, yeah, and Star Wars does, and Star Wars is is like deep into it but it's not the only place where the prequel happens and i i'm really 
a fan of moving forward, moving a timeline beyond where we're at and seeing what's next and introducing new characters and new villains and new plots and new problems. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say I have a negative feeling. I liked Rogue One. I think Rogue One is some great source material to launch off from. It was, it was good, but I also feel like it was complete. It was a good story from start to finish. It had a beginning and end, a very definitive end, I might add, for the characters. So to, to know eh, what led Cassie and Andor up to that moment, I don't, I'm not, uh, let's just say I'm not bouncing off the ceiling. I, I will say Cassie and Andor is the coolest name ever given to any character ever, though. I have to disagree. I'm still a big fan of Lando Calrissian. That is the coolest name I've ever heard. Um, but uh, I I agree. I'm not in love with the prequel idea. And the truth is there are a lot of elements of, of uh, a lot of the Star Wars movies that I liked where we're dropped into the middle of something. Um, there's the implication that there's some deeper stuff going on. There's, um, you know, there's clearly histories that exist that you know aren't necessarily spelled out in detail and i think in a lot of ways when you start going into spelling those out in too much detail some of the mystery is lost and frankly um, i think you run the risk of being more disappointing with the stories than enlightening with the stories they just have to be done really well rogue one happens to be a movie that i thought was done more well than not even though it was a a strange movie meant to cover up just <laughs> weirdness from the original trilogy um but you know yeah sure it was it was good i don't know making a prequel to it we'll see we'll see how it comes out i don't know i i hold my optimism you gotta leave something for the fan fiction writers yeah exactly yeah and they they really do a bang up job most uh, some of the time <laughs> Listen, that's a whole other segment. But in the meantime, do you guys think that this story will add anything new to the galaxy far, far away? They've they've consistently added new things. Um, they, they, uh, the creators of Star Wars, they do have a tendency to circle around themes or motifs and and kind of play those up. Uh, you know, super weapons being one of them, um, light against dark being another. <clears throat> I'm I'm interested to see what will happen, what what new story elements they'll bring. I think I'm probably the most interested to see more imperial culture, high imperial culture. Like what was the galaxy like prior to the destruction of the Death Star One? Uh, what was the heavy hand of the Empire like in in the Empire's heyday? <clears throat> Seeing that part of of life, galactic life, is more interesting to me i think i think than actually seeing cassie and andor pal around while he's a, a pretty bad guy because you know he had a a pretty distinct arc in um in rogue one he he, he comes out as kind of the less than moral amoral spy will do anything for the mission type guy and ends up you know being the one who does the sacrifice play that's a that's a decent arc for a character to go through. But now we're, we're taking him from where we know he ends up back to this other guy who, who was kind of by design, not supposed to be liked at the beginning of the movie. And now we're going to hang out with him for a series. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm less excited for that. Yeah. I, I'm hoping that they, they play that angle to perhaps um, show how he became that, you know, hardened 
do whatever it takes kind of character maybe show some hardship if we went through um hardening him as a character but to the question uh, as far as will this add anything to the galaxy far far away i think that's actually one of the weaknesses of prequels in that it's incredibly hard to add new stuff to a universe when you're going back and telling like this is what happened before the story because if you do anything too crazy you add anything too um I don't know too over the top how in the world could it have not been brought up in you know the the previously released movie that is supposed to be set further in time after they knew about this thing i i think that's probably the toughest part of a prequel and and they're going to face that here for sure yeah it's one of the reasons why everybody in rogue one had to freaking die spoiler alert because guess what they weren't present in a new hope and they likely would have been as huge rebel uh, heroes right so they when you went backwards in time you actually had to wrap that story to a very very definitive end so that the next story makes sense right totally the, i think that's um if if i had to write a directive prequel that would be one of the things i would have the hardest time with was how do i do something interesting something that hasn't hasn't been seen before but still end up in the same place that we know the other movie starts while um, not making it look like everyone is just an idiot who isn't considering the kinds of crazy things that i'm trying to put in my prequel it's a it's a weird spot all right. With Kenobi being pushed well into 2021 or beyond at this point, it seems like this and season two with the Mandalorian are what we're getting instead in the meantime. You guys okay with that? No. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I'm i looking forward to Kenobi with uh, cautious optimism. I mean, it's kind of how I approach my life. But um, the Mandalorian too. It, it's weird. Like when I look at the Mandalorian in a purely objective sense with you know what I think are really great shows or really great movies it's okay it's better than average um, but in light of the hot garbage that has come out for Star Wars over the last decade or so it is a shining beacon of brilliance by uh, by comparison so yeah I mean I'm looking forward to that uh, Kenobi we'll see the ex opinions expressed by Leoran in this podcast do not represent those of the entire Soken community. <laughs> I love the Star Wars. Um, so I love, I, I do love the Mandalorian. I have loved many, many hours of the Star Wars films. There are things that shall not be named or have been named prior. prior. I, I really, 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 and have for a long, long time wanted to see Kenobi. And it's been kind of the rumor mill for a decade right I, i'm just ready to see you and mcgregor put on the robes again and and i want to see him have an adventure i don't really even care how it unfolds i just want to watch it and and there's that same kind of problem we're talking about where you know it's where it's going to end up you know obi-wan kenobi finds luke in the deserts of tatooine you know right before the battle of yavin that's just gonna happen so it's gonna he ain't gonna die no matter what kind of stakes they put him in they're not gonna be real stakes so you know he's gonna be fine but i still want to see it I, I i love ewan mcgregor's obi-wan kenobi and to me he was the best part of the prequels and i, I don't know i can't wait for it so i'm angry that everything's getting pushed to the front of the line my my favorite part of the 
of the of the prequels was um anakin's sand story like that was really compelling oh my I, god i really liked it um <laughs> but no i agree you and you and mcgregor's kenobi was awesome i'm i'm always i'm i'm always a little bit uh i don't know apprehensive about um new actors who are taking over like quote younger versions of characters that we grew to to know and love um what's the name of the guy that that did the he he does the uh professor x in the in the newer x-men what's the actor's name um man all i'm coming up with is the character name uh, I, can't, I can't remember his name he also played the Hold guy on. in Split. Is it McAvoy? Is it James McAvoy? Yeah, yeah. James yeah. McAvoy. I got, I got insight from on high. <laughs> um, but I was, I was, um, you know, apprehensive about is is he going to do a good job? Am I going to like it? And it turns out, I loved it. Um, he did such a good job. He was such a convincing younger, like particularly in the in the first movie, he was brash and he was. He abused his own mutant abilities, and it took him, you know, learning some important lessons. And anywho, I loved um, his take on on Professor X, and um, very similarly to Ewan McGregor's Kenobi, he did such a good job. He was, I don't know, su such a convincing younger version of Kenobi. And you know, watching uh, watching him grow and develop, watching him try to. Um, bring anakin um along like uh, it, it, it was well done so you know i'm i'm looking forward to see what happens with the show um rumors abound about kathleen kennedy's influence <laughs> so you know we'll see he's not willing to emotionally invest just yet <laughs> no i don't want to be hurt again <laughs> Also, Leo, so desperate to avoid talking about Star Wars yet again, he goes on an X-Men rant. No. <laughs> <laughs> Those X-Men movies went off the rails, but perhaps we can have a segment about once they join the MCU. Perhaps. Okay. Well, no official release date has been given for the Rogue One prequel, but Diego Luna seems convinced it will be shooting and possibly releasing before the end of 2020. Whether that's impacted by quarantine is something that we'll have to wait and see. Well, we'll definitely wait and see. Hey, maybe in the meantime, we can convince you to play Swotor. <laughs> maybe. All right. This is, uh, this one's going to be a doozy. We don't often get political on this show, but when it comes to gaming, we do kind of have to talk about it. And this is a topic that we've kind of touched on in the past. The Communist Party of China is, according to Taiwanese news sources, banning and disconnecting their online games from the rest of the world. After banning Animal Crossing in China on April 10th, reportedly due to players using it to mock their political decisions, they decided to outright take away online gaming with other nations due to a lack of social monitoring. China is already known for having the Great Firewall of China, which blocks access to websites that we take for granted things like Facebook. What do you think the extension of this censorship means in the grand scheme of things? In order to maintain a tight hold over the population of a nation, it's essential to restrict any flow of information to that people. Uh, and I think this is a prime example 
of a government um, intentionally reducing the exposure that its citizens has to um, information outside of their very tightly controlled media. That's that's it. Um, I will quote Princess Leia and say, the more you tighten your grip, Tarkin, the more star systems will slip through your fingers. I think that when it comes to controlling people, there are two ways to control information. The first is the way in which China seems to be doing it, and that is to tighten your grip, to limit information, to limit access, to limit connection, and to limit interface <clears throat> with other cultures, other perspectives, other points of view. The other is a white noise of information to where you really don't know what's true and what isn't. I think both of those things are happening on our planet simultaneously. And I honestly don't know which one is better. Um, certainly, the authoritative, dictatorative, censorship of like all of the, those things are negatives, huge negatives. And I think that it's the type of thing that ultimately backfires to a government. And it may not happen today. It may not happen in the next five years, may not happen in even the next decade. But at some point, the people get fed up and the people take the power back. Um, I really do believe, and maybe it won't be over video games per se, but information is power. And at some point, people take power back. That is just the way uh, the world has spun. So in the grand scheme of things, I think that it means that uh, the, a government is attempting to quash the, the free thought of people. And I think that it will backfire. It's possible it, it might backfire. I'm not... Well, it, it's not that I don't think people will uh, eventually reclaim power, but how long will that be? Um, will it be in 20 years? Will it be in 200 years? Um, and how many, how many will, you know, suffer under the yoke of an oppressive regime um, in, in the meantime? I, I guess I see... I see human history a little bit differently. I think it ebbs and flows in terms of um, what's what's beneficial to the greater amount of people. Um, sometimes it gets better. Sometimes it's worse. Um, we've been fortunate to watch a steady, uh, oh, I don't know, increase in personal autonomy and technology just making life easier. Um, quite a few things have been boons that humanity has enjoyed. Um, and I think that's that's led to um, the kind of lifestyle that we really enjoy. But our government is, um, I don't know, it, it, it's kind of unique. China is a very different government, a very different way of life even. And I think a lot of the Chinese, it, it's, it's what they know. It's normal to them. Uh, things that we balk at, like... It's it's just their day to day, so I don't know. I don't know what it'll take to get them to quote rise up. 
Well, it is hard to balk when you don't know any better, and that's part of the power of restricting knowledge, restricting understanding and, and perspective. Is the people don't know there's a different way, they do have a harder time getting there. For sure, I, I mean, when when COVID nineteen started becoming the global pandemic we know, and China started kicking out. Um, members of the media who were not a part of their own very controlled um, party media um, you know that that was a, a pretty significant red flag so we need to give a little bit more background information for this next bit tencent holdings ltd is a chinese venture capital company one that invests other people's money essentially and it has stakes in a lot of corporations worldwide including ownership of riot games and stakes in epic games activision blizzard paradox and ubisoft beyond gaming the company also has holdings in social media music e-commerce and even more given that the reach of corporations like tencent has been responsible for other issues we've discussed before specifically the hearthstone player who was banned for speaking out against violence in hong kong do you think that the gaming industry is going to be somewhat forced to allow this kind of control for their own good? Yeah, yeah. the Chinese market is uh, extraordinary. There's so many people in China. And if, if a company gets the endorsement of not just the CCP, but, you know, obviously well-connected and giant corporations like Tencent on their side, the amount of money they can make is ludicrous. Um, the challenge comes in what what do you have to compromise for that? What do you have to sacrifice? We've seen we've seen little things, games censoring you know one little thing or another for the the sake of um, the CCP sensibilities or perhaps even just the the Chinese culture um, and and their sensibilities. Things that you know americans or just the west um doesn't consider worth censoring um so i don't know we we've seen it I, I do think a lot of companies kind of have to um if they consider their bottom line and the amount of profit they can make the most important thing for them which we've seen companies like like blizzard do sadly the the ultimate you know the, the the bottom line is the ultimate judge on on whether or not a corporation is successful or not and the primary purpose of a business especially a large business like that or a public business is to make money for the shareholders and there really isn't a, a moral uh, a moral high ground or a, a moral mission that a company is trying to do other than that the united states has the largest economy in the world China has the second, and actually China's GDP is larger than the United States. So when you're talking about a global market, when you're talking about a corporation that wants to be on a global stage and have uh, and make money in the millions slash billions, you have to open up markets. And if if a market is closed because the government has it that way, if, if the government of a region, let's just say China, for the sake of conversation, is not allowing you to do business there or blocks you from doing business there, then what has happened is you have decided on a moral basis to say your shareholders do not make money. And the shareholders don't like that. They don't really want you to take a moral stand. They don't want really want you to have uh, principles that keep them from making money because that's not the point of a business. That's not the point of a corporation. Um, so 
you know, we, we shall see whether or not scruples or the almighty dollar or yin wins out. Do you think that the censorship might cause a domino effect that will potentially spill over into other nations around the world because of this? I don't think so. I think that China is unique in, in, in some ways, the amount of authority that they hold is, is just remarkable. Honestly, that there are very few governments, I think who have that, that even in looking at the response to COVID-19, just the complete and total shutdown of a country welding people into their homes, literally, that there's, there are very few places on the planet that still act like that, that still have that sort of hold over the people. Um, so I don't necessarily think that it's a domino that will spread. I mean, on the, on the other side of that, you, I do believe it is that people have a moral duty and obligation to vocally stand up against regimes or people in power who do bad things and, and, and who make immoral choices and who oppress. Um, I think that's probably one of our largest moral imperatives as, as, as we re retain our humanity really. But uh, I do feel like there's a little bit of a firewall to that um, stealing of Liberty, that, that tamping down of Liberty in, because so many places across the globe have, have tasted what it's like to get to have an opinion and voice it, to get to um, express themselves more freely. We, we, we're, we take it for granted in America specifically, but there are a lot of other places that they get to do that. I've, this question is actually rather interesting um, because I think if, if I'd been asked this prior to our current situation with COVID-19, I would have said, no, it's ridiculous. Um, I don't think so anymore. Um, we have seen our own personal liberties um, diminished for the sake of, you know, the welfare of the population at large. Um, we have we have um, inalienable rights in, in our own founding documents that uh, grant us the right to freely assemble. And those have been taken away. Um, it it for I don't think for bad reasons, but those rights have been taken away. Um, in times of crisis, um, here's where I'll give the prequels, the Star Wars prequels, some credit. Um, in times of crisis, uh, those in authority are typically granted more power than they might otherwise be granted. And governments in particular are loath to give those powers up once the crisis is averted or, or passed. What kinds of authorities are going to be granted to the governments and the powers that be of the nations of the world um, has yet to be seen. Uh, I think there are varying degrees of authoritarianism throughout the countries of the world. I'm happy to live in a country that's way on the opposite end of the scale there. But um, if we've seen, you know, some of our some of our rights reduced, those countries that don't necessarily have or enjoy uh, a lot of those rights are, are going to see them diminished and uh, to varying degrees of resistance and protest. I don't know that I necessarily agree with that. I think that the 
the situation today, and I don't want to get too far into uh, American politics, but it is, it is, it seems to me as I watch things unfold that it is the governments, and I say governments, you know, plural, not just federal, but state, and then other countries as well, that are pushing to <laughs> to push people back out into the streets. It's not necessarily. Um, most of the orders are voluntary. If you need to go to work, if you need to go to the grocery store, you can. Um, people are having protests or gathering, and they're not being arrested. There's no real tamping down of liberty right now. The 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 stay home is really, especially in our country, uh, um, people making the choice to do something for the betterment of of national health. So I don't. Sure. While while there are recommendations and while there are um, guidance on how we should be interacting in public and social distancing. Really, we don't see an oppressive uh, stripping of rights. We're seeing well, guidance. I don't think we see it in the U.S. Um, I th I think we have we're I don't know we're we're a, we're a rambunctious population. Um, we're we're the most armed. We're the most <laughs> uh, I don't know rebellious. Uh, but like um, in the U.K the the police put out uh kind of a joking threat where they said uh, uh they were arresting people who were um, out in more rural areas and it said like just because you live in a rural area and think you can have a picnic in the woods think again like we're the ones in the shadows and and we're going to come arrest you like uh, certain the u.s isn't the you know it, it's certainly the culture we're exposed to but you know the the reduction of rights is a i mean it's a it's a phenomenon that happens in in times of crisis we've seen attempts at it we've also seen quite a few attempts at its resistance here in the u.s but other places not so much one of the ccp's proposed restrictions is on the amount of time their citizens can play video games and only using their real names for both online and offline games so that people can be more easily monitored thoughts you know at face value i freaking love that <laughs> i mean i'll be honest with you. there's a part of me that's all for it um and and i i will say not a hundred percent and not for the point of monitoring, but there is something about the anonymity of the internet that allows it to be ne more nefarious and evil. There is something to be said for people to get up and get off of the internet and go do other things. Um, it, there are probably some health benefits to these types of restrictions, kids being online, less gaming, less all of that said, I don't think that it's the government's place to, to make those necessarily policy. Um, the, I don't know whose job it is other than personal responsibility is the first answer, except for I know people are not responsible. And so they more often than not choose not to do what is the better for, for the whole. Um, but yeah, there, there's something really appealing to me about people being, people having to use their real names online and offline and, and holding some accountability to how they act. Online life is real. It's not fake. You, you affect people in very real ways and there, there should be some form of accountability um now whether or not an oppressive regime should force you to do it or not is certainly debatable <laughs> all right nerd no i agree <laughs> i i'm i'm also kind of torn on it i don't like i don't like a government telling me that i i have to do this or that um 
I also think that the anonymity of the internet gives people leave to do truly heinous things, or let me rephrase, say truly heinous things. Um, well, and do. I mean, there's well, a, yeah, that's there's, true. They, there are human trafficking rings that run completely anonymously on the dark web right. yeah, because people right. can. Right. Um, and swatting, you know, streamers and yeah. 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 Executing truly heinous stuff. Yep. Totally. Um, the idea, though, of a government requiring it so that you can be more easily monitored. I don't know. I, I, I remember having a conversation with my, uh, let's say, redneck brother. Uh, a couple years ago <laughs> and we were talking about um whether or not uh we should we should tag ourselves with some kind of chip that tracks us so that in the event of an emergency we could be found say we're abducted say we're lost say we you know something terrible happens to us um we can we can flip on whatever whatever device can track us and and find us and i was a little bit for it um in in some sense i i was also you know i wasn't totally for it. my brother was a hundred percent like american red-blooded rebel absolutely not i don't want the government tracking me and government with a b yeah government <laughs> like, okay. government came and took my baby <laughs> yeah exactly um ain't no government gonna track me i ain't never put no tracking device in me like okay i get it and i do think that's that's kind of a reality of american thought but americans are kind of unique um I, to me like i don't imagine this surprises chinese people at all i imagine this is the norm for them right and it's so, not gonna make a big wave you're right yeah it it just is what it is there you know but a lot of that comes with what type of regulation we will accept there are regulations that we accept in our life to do things that we want to do like say drive a car yeah i agree are there ways to support people living under the ccp as outsiders in this case um you know what do you guys think like an outsider can really hope to do <laughs> i don't know i'm Man. stumped on this one yeah, I, I mean what, what could an outsider do there's not a whole lot if there are firewalls if there are if they are behind a magical chinese wall of communication like there's there's nothing we can do except for be vocal in our own country maybe do take action to protect our own rights to vote people in office in our country who will stand up for the beliefs that we believe in but outside of that i mean register to vote y'all yeah this is a really tough one as I mean, who who are we? We're we're not policymakers. All we can do is try and vote in the right ones. I I agree. Just try and find folks who who have a similar perspective that you do uh, with regards to foreign policy, particularly in this case with regards to um, how we as a nation approach our relations with China, and and vote them in. So one of the bans that's actually discussed in the specific news article that we have referenced for this. Um, is that they are actually outright banning role play as well. That's such a strange rule. <laughs> I know. Like, why? What's? I guess they're trolls too. They're they're internet trolls. <laughs> they would come and ruin our events. They came did. to one of our ceremonies and they, they were like, no. <laughs> they would do the Bosmer dance right in front of someone getting knighted. <laughs> oh, my. 
Well, unfortunately for online communities, especially ones like Soken, which primarily exists because of online gaming, this kind of censorship is a huge concern for us. And although it's not quite the topics we tackle on a regular basis, it is an important discussion to have. Ring-a-ding-ding, it's tea time. Yes, I was forced to say that. Anyway, here's a question for you guys. Uh, what is your favorite species or race from any genre of video game or movie? Sci-fi, fantasy, Star Trek, Elder Scrolls, Star Wars, whatever, man. Surprise me. I had a I hard time I'm, with this. I think I know what Jace's is, but I'm, I'm not sure. I bet you don't, because where I landed is actually far away from where I started. As oh. I was considering the question, oh, well, guess I'm I want to know what you guessed. I, I well, no, because I I think I'm wrong now. Um, <laughs> you don't want to be on record. <laughs> I was I was gonna say elves, but you like so, sci-fi. Yes, that's where I started. Elves. I really like elves, okay. and in and I like you know even space elves. So like Vulcans and Romans, like that. I do like elves, but no, I I ultimately landed on the Trill, in um, Star Trek, who are this species of, of people who have created this symbiotic relationship with another species on their planet that are kind of like little wormy things. And you can join with one of the wormy things, but you've got to kind of be chosen to, to, to get that nerve because the, the wormy thing lives for many, many, many lifetimes and kind of your, your personalities and souls meld while you're together. So you get to have like this whole memories of another lifetime that are, that are inside of you. And so Jadzia Dax from Deep Space Nine was a joint trill. The yeah. trill actually were introduced on uh, the Next Generation, but kind of in a little bit of a different way. And when they were in introduced, Doctor Sure fell for a trill guy, but something terrible happened, and he had to get his he had to be uh, his symbiosis had to be changed from one host to another, and it went from a man to a woman. And so she was heterosexual, and it you know that was some really cool questions back in the day. Now this being is in another body, and she just couldn't do it like. But it's those types of things, and then the, the multiple lifetimes adding to different personalities over time. I have actually role-played um, a joined trill, and it was one of the most uh, the most fun role-plays I have ever done, just because of the fact that you can create such a complex character, a broken character, traumatized character, but also with just vast amounts of experience to draw from. Yeah, that is cool. I remember that as a is a rather interesting character concept when i when i first saw dax that was rather fascinating it reminded me a lot of stargate the the gold um only less <laughs> uh demented and uh like they valued their host and they didn't just completely take over it was a conjoined experience it's really cool all right but what's mine dwarves yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm predictable. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. 100%. Um, Tolkien-esque dwarves. I, I'll say uh, my my biggest, um, or the, the, the biggest failing I think Elder Scrolls has is that they don't have Tolkien-esque dwarves. Uh, they have a race of elves that they colloquially refer to as dwarves, but they're not your gold hoarding bearded ale drinking <laughs> uh just 
manly men of, of dwarves. Ah, uh, I've even found <laughs> a game uh, Dale and I have made. Uh, well, actually, lots of folks and I, Cal and, and a few others. Uh, it's called Deep Rock Galactic, and it's about like those kinds of fantasy dwarves, but in the far future, like <laughs> exploring other worlds and digging, <laughs> of course, in mines. <laughs> it's so fun. But it's because they're just irreverent dwarves that are cursing and drinking ale and shooting stuff <laughs> that I I find them so fun. Uh, you could put them just about anywhere. That's that's what I want to play. They're always fun at a party, for sure. For sure. T, you have to answer the question, too. I do. I have to answer the question. Honestly, um, well, I don't know. You guys guessed each other's. What's mine? Oh, God. Um, is it Twilight? Is it a tail head? <laughs> sort of. Um, I do like Twilix, obviously, as I play one. Um, I also enjoy the other species that I've delved into lore for as long as it is Star Wars. But my answer is actually not a Star Wars species. I actually really like the Asari from Mass Effect. Mm, yeah, good and, choice, good choice. And, well, I like I like the fact that they they make no sense in a way because uh, of the way that they mix genetics with whatever partner that they choose. Um, and there's just a lot about the species that I find interesting on a creative level. But specifically, what really makes me like them the most is because there's this one conversation that you can overhear in one of the bars in Mass Effect. I think Mass Effect 2. Um, it's like a there's a bachelor party, right? And it's a very human thing. And all the other other ones that are dragged along are like co-workers that are very confused as to why they're there in the first place. But they wind up talking about sorry. And each one, though they are a different species, claims that the Asari looks the most like their race. <laughs> I love those games. Yeah, I have wasted, not wasted, that's the wrong word. I have spent so many hours just walking around. Some of those more atmospheric games, listening to NPCs and just enjoying the immersion that they offer. Ah, so good. The Witcher comes to mind. So still a tailhead, just a different kind. <laughs> you, you Those have are baby tails. <laughs> All right. If you would like to submit a tea time question for the podcast, head on over to soakinggaming.com slash soakinmedia and find the submission bar on the right-hand side of the page. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening to this long, wild episode of the Soakin Podcast. For more Soakin Media, visit us at soakinggaming.com slash soakinmedia, follow our Twitter at soakinggaming, and subscribe to our YouTube Soakin Gaming Community and look for future episodes of the podcast on Google Podcasts and iTunes. Until next time, I've been T. I'm Lady Deathstrike. <laughs> I'm apparently uh, a, a Joe Exotic cosplayer. Number four. And I pair well with crumpets. And we'll see you next week. Stay classy, Soakin. Thank you for listening to the Soakin Community Podcast. Craving more? Visit us on Twitter and YouTube at Sokin Gaming, as well as our website, www.sokingaming.com. Until next time, stay classy. Right, Jace?